I sat across the table from a guy and I was sitting there in a, in a small suit because, you know, that's all I had. And he asked me, what do you want to do in the future? I said, well, I think I'd love to be sitting across the table asking some young guy, you know, pretty <laughs> dumb questions about what he wants to do for his future. That sounds like a pretty good job. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do what you're doing. That looks pretty easy. You said and, that uh, or you thought yeah, that? <laughs> you that's said what that. I said. Welcome to Yaro's podcast, where you'll discover the stories behind world-class performers, business builders, and enlightened leaders. A brief intro to my guest today. His name is Fred Shabesta, the co-founder of Finder.com, a comparison shopping helpful content website that will guide you to make the best decision and save money with things like choosing a credit card, personal loan, insurance, and also many other decisions. And it's become a very well-known uh, website in Australia and expanding globally. I've started to see it show up in Canadian searches here where I'm in Canada. And uh, Fred himself is someone I knew from a long time ago, back in the, the early days when I was knee-deep in learning search engine optimization for my blog and, and my teaching business. Fred was doing something similar with his SEO agency, which was the starting point, you could say, for Finder because he did begin the first ever version of his business, creditcardfinder.com.au, there. What I really love about this story, though, and why I think you should pay attention Fred has taken a business model that I think a lot of people understand, a lot of people apply, essentially build a website, fill it with helpful content, and then drive traffic to affiliate offers, maybe do some advertising eventually once you get the traffic. But it's really all about providing helpful content and then ranking well in Google and being the best answer to a question. And they've taken that to scale. I think that's why this podcast is something you should definitely listen to because, frankly, I don't have many guests on my show who can say that, A, they have a personal net worth of over $170 million, that's Australian dollars, I think, though, and a business itself that's gone over to do you know several hundred million in valuation and growing still. So it's a bit of a, an outlier, a unique case study. And I think especially because Fred was quite transparent in this interview, you're going to get some unique insights into the mindset of a person who's in charge of that size company, even though it's still essentially a content business. So I hope you enjoy today's episode with Fred Shabesta. Here it is. Hello, this is Yaro, and welcome to an interview. And today I'm excited to talk to a guest who I have to say popped up in my feed from a very compelling headline. And uh, it was from a Business Insider article. It's a big number. I'm going to just say hello, first of all, to my guest before I talk about numbers to make sure he's okay with me talking about numbers. So Fred Shabesta, hello, welcome to the show. Thank you, Yara. I'm a, I'm a long-time listener from, from your podcast and a long-time follower of you. It's, it's a, an honor for me to be here. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Now, Fred, as I was just saying, you've got a, a big claim to fame now, but I feel like when I first heard your name, and this is what was interesting to me because I'm, I was reading this article on Business Insider last year, 2019, and it was like, Finder co-founder Fred Shabasta has debuted on the Young Rich list with 193 million fortune, right? And I'm like, I know that guy. That name is really stands out to me. And then, of course, I dug into our our LinkedIn connections and even found an email exchange from a while ago. And I think um, back then you were uh, working on an SEO agency, and obviously I was blogging and writing a bit about SEO, so we had some kind of interaction. How does it feel uh, when you have an article like this published about yourself with that kind of title? I think for you know 17 years of real hard work, 
and a bit of luck in there, you know, but you make your own luck. It's a tribute to all the crew that have been with me, you know, Frank, my co-founder, Jeremy's been there from the start, you know, I think that's where it goes out to. It's not just me. It's really the crew that, that have made Finder mm-hmm. and what it is today, you know, and, and, and there's another, there was a company before that as well and all that, all those crew that, you know, came with me on that journey and it's, it's tribute to them. Mm. Yeah, it's great to hear that because there's a lot that goes into a company, not just the the headline. For those who don't know, what exactly is Finder? They probably do know, but just in case they don't. It's a comparison service. So our vision is to better all the world's decisions. So you come on to Finder, you know, if you want to compare from VPNs to broadband to loans to insurance, whatever it may be, we write, you know, we have a, a very, very strong editorial team and we compare all the different products out there and so that you can you know, make a better deal by choosing one of those because you, you've been informed as to what, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we've started rolling this out all around the world. So um, in Canada as well, Yara, so you can, you can check it out. I was, well, I wanted to tell you, Fred, I have seen Finder show up in my search results lately. And I was like, huh, is it like, <laughs> is, is, is it a coincidence? What's going on here? <laughs> you know, <so. laughs> and that's interesting you say that because, you know, people started to say, when they sort of understand the story, they, they start to see it more and they realize that's what, you know, we've been doing and they sort of dig into it. And a lot of people start to go, wow, there's so much here. You know, they dig in further and they realize the journey we're trying to be, you know, been on. And hopefully more people start to do that around the world. And um, yeah, we're really on a mission. So it's, mm. it's been, it's intense right now. That's exciting. I, if you have the Canadian office, I'd love to pop in and say hello, but we'll talk about that another time. You're obviously uh, Aussie born and raised, I think. Uh, that is my next question. So Sydney went to school, grew up, University, everything like that. Yeah, I, I went to school here in Sydney. Sydney's always been, you know, I guess the most international city of, of Australia because it's got that real connection to LA. You know, you can have one flight, and that was that's been there for a long time. And the airport is, you know, an international airport, so that get, you know brings a lot of exposure that way. I went to university. I studied actuarial studies and computer science. I didn't actually finish either of those. <laughs> I actually I got, I got a finance degree at Macquarie University. But I learned a lot, you know, through that. I, I kind of the way I sort of think about the journey of where I got to was from a mastery of coding, which I learned from university, but I applied it on the internet as opposed to applying it, you know, in, in the in the languages that they taught us. I took every every idea that the university took me gave me and I basically translated that as best I could to the internet where, you know, relevant. And, you know, I think that that mastery over many, many years of coding and things like that, that's what has, has sort of led to, to, to building Finder. Mm. That's, what, that's what sort of brought that about. It's, it's one of those, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's the way I see it. That's, where, that's what I think got me here. Well, I'd love to connect the dots because obviously, like you said, there's been previous companies, previous teams. So when you were in university and even with those two subjects you never finished degrees with, as a young man, were you thinking, I'm going to start a business or did you see I'm going to get a job in, in finance? You know, I work in, in Sydney in the financial district. What, was there a plan or is it more playing it by ear and see what, what interests me? You know, I, I actually started a company when I was at university. So, you know, the agency started there. We were building websites and selling them. And I actually, um, I did go for some job interviews. I, I went for actually a job interview with Sun Microsystems. I mean, that's an old company. You know, they invented Java. I don't know if it, and they got bought by Oracle eventually. But I sat across the table from a guy and he, he said, you know, one of his questions was, and I was sitting there in a, in a small suit because, you know, that's all I had. <laughs> and um, he asked me, you know, what, um, what do you want to do in the future? I said, well, 
I think I'd, I think I'd love to be sitting across the table asking some young guy, you know, pretty dumb <laughs> questions about what he wants to do for his future. That sounds like a pretty good job. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do what you're doing. That looks pretty easy. You said and, that, uh, or you thought yeah, that? <laughs> you that's said what that. I said. <laughs> okay, cheeky. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that went down so well. So I, I didn't get a job at Sun Microsystems. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Another another thing happened. I was studying actuarial studies, and I and I came to the lecturer, and I said, I don't really. Um, I went to them after, and I said, I don't really know. You know, what's sort of what's going on here? And the lecturer said, yeah, I know. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, if it's that obvious, you know, where would this lead me from a, from a career perspective? And he goes, well, Fred, you're going to be the one that talks to the clients. And I, <laughs> so I said, I said, oh, I see what's going on here. So that sort of, you know, I realized that it probably wasn't the journey for me and I, I changed course. And um, I realized potentially, you know, number one, I, I have my own ideas and you know, I back myself and I put my money behind them and I go for it. So I don't mind working for other people's vision as well, but I tend to enjoy, and I, and I do I do that all the time as well mm. inside Finder and, and what we do. But I think I much prefer in, in innovating and creating that and that's my best place to be. Mm. Whereas, you know, you take a business, an existing business, and, you know, I don't really understand the context or things like that where I can't really change anything. I'm not so good in that environment. And so there was another another time I was um, to give you another story. I don't know, Yara, if you want to. I'm just sharing some some of my past stories. Please riff. I, please riff. I used to work. My first job. I used to work as a kitchen hand in the in the kitchen, and I I was we had we had a team meeting, and I said to him, you know, the manager said, okay, is there anything else? I said, yeah, I've got an idea on how we can sell more chips. I said, you know, we can basically we should salt the chips. He goes, why should we salt the chips? I said, well, we'll sell more drinks. And he goes, maybe you should get back to clean the dishes. <laughs> and I said, ah, okay, I see what's going on here. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that was probably again, maybe a signal of maybe I shouldn't be. I'm not the best operator. I'm probably the best, better at coming up with some some right. ideas on what to do. You want the decision making power at least to test ideas. At that time, did you have any role models? Your parents were they ever entrepreneurial, or aunts, or uncles, or anyone, or you know, a mentor, anything to look at, or were you kind of winging it? My parents were doctors, so they they kind of are their own sort of small business in and of themselves, but they didn't run a big company. You know, my mum had a secretary, you know, and that was it at the time. Eventually, she went on to be a you know another an entrepreneur, and she built her business up after twenty five years. Which is interesting, another story in and of itself. My next door neighbor was he he ran a small business and he sold computer programs. And I sort of, you know, I looked at how he ran his business and I found that interesting. But over time I think I just I've got a lot of mentorship through certain people that I would go to at times and then I would change or I'd read books and study the way people did things. You know, a lot of the time, unfortunately, yeah, I didn't in Australia it's, it's a sort of a, a vacuum of strong entrepreneurial leaders. You know, it just doesn't have the generations of entrepreneurs that you can learn from. Whereas, you know, America has had many, many generations of big businesses. In, in England as well, in the UK, they've had that, that, that tenure, that time that's just been around a long time. And so there are people who've passed on the knowledge and the wisdom of running companies. So a lot of the time I'd learn through videos and go to conferences or go and meet special people at certain times. Just had to go and hustle really, you know, most of my learning, I'd say, is through videos, which is kind of strange. You know, mm. those information products. Mm-hmm. And I, that's how we actually, I, I got, you know, I learned about you, Yara, was through, you had information products, you had videos and things like that. And that's, that's how I learned. It was, 
just the way you have to do it because mm-hmm. the, the actual people themselves who you want to learn from aren't in Australia. It's, you know, it's the end of the earth. It's a tiny little island in the middle of the Pacific and, you know, we've got this <laughs> tiny. Couple of peop- there's a couple of people there and that's about it. Well, on the world stage in terms of population, it's population. a small place. <laughs> Geography, no, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it is funny you say that. I, I'm thinking back to my own experience growing up in Brisbane and I don't recall a specific mentor besides, you know, a Richard Branson through his book. And mm. like you, yeah, it was it was reading books. And then eventually, obviously, as the internet grew, more online courses and videos and so on. But there wasn't like the local celebrity entrepreneur like we have today, where we all know, you know, who the, the, the I mean, who, now there's the, the Fred Shabastas of the world that people can learn about. So can you take us forward, though, with your story? So the university studies don't strictly lead to starting a business, but you said you were taking some technical skills you were developing and then mm. applying it to the internet. So when you say that, were you like, did you just go straight to an agency, you know, building websites or software for companies or yep. were you freelancing? What was the starting point? You just build websites for people. You know, it's pretty simple. Probably not the smartest of services you know, in terms of business models, it's very scalable, it's very people intensive, but that's, I didn't know any of the, you know, the wiser about how to build a scalable business. But from that, I learned the second company, you know, with Finder, we, we learned, you know, what is a scalable company? You know, how do you not be involved from a people perspective day to day? You know, Finder runs 24-7 by itself. And so I made that mistake, you know, pretty brutally. You know, and I think, I actually remember I, I bought an information product about internet marketing I think it's one of the originals. I can't remember the guy's name. Corey it was, Rudel or like that was a... Uh, it was a long time ago. Like a real, orig- one of those original ones. Like, it's like the million dollar conference or something. I don't okay, know. Okay, old school. I can see the guy's face, but super old school. I'm talking like the most old school you've ever imagined. And I bought the DVDs. I, I think I paid like $1,000. And that was the beginning. You know, I realized, I saw how they run their business and the scalability and I realized then, okay, we need to use these skills we developed. Instead of building someone else's site, we need to build our own. And that's when we started like experimenting, right? So we built a, we built like a poker site. We built a, um, a Mother's Day present site, a Sudoku site. And, and one of them was the credit card comparison site called Credit Card Finder. And each of those sort of, you know, had a certain amount of performance. But the poker site was, you know, a fad at the time. Texas Hold'em was big and then it kind of died off. Sudoku, you can't really make money out of. Mother's Day presents is only one time a year, but the credit card comparison was something that was all the time. And we just focused on that and realized that all of our skills and all the things we've learned in the past could be applied to this business. It was, I guess, something that we worked on on the side and then we sold the agency and then we came back to it after two and a half years and we just focused on it full time. And I'd say the first four and a half years, probably even more, we didn't really think up a strategy. All we did was execute the playbook we had from our clients, from what we've done in the past. Like we just didn't really have to think, you know, we just executed. And so it made the company grow very, very fast. So just to clarify, because I feel like I'm missing a few dots here. So you went from finishing university, starting essentially a website building agency. You're building these websites for clients, which is forcing you to learn 
I, I'm assuming some basic search engine optimization just to get a bit of traffic for them and, and you know basic website building. Then you discover some internet marketing training, and that opens your eyes to this idea of building. It sounded like you're building niche content sites back in the, like the you know the old affiliate kind of days. You build a niche site. Make a bit of affiliate money, then move on to the next one and the next one, and hope you know they all make a, even a hundred dollars a month or something like that. That was like mid two thousands. I think that was kind of popular. Yep, big time. Yeah, we've got a thousand domains still in the in the holster. You know, <laughs> all those ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it sounds like you saw credit card finder as the one that was taking off, but then you're realizing that's potentially a, a deeper, like you can go into that niche and really dive into it. And, and obviously you probably discovered the power of choosing a really monetizable topic, one that has an audience that's searching and looking to spend money and you could you know, service that. Now you keep saying we as well when you're answering these questions, Fred. So I'm assuming you know, Fred graduates, then you met, I know you've got a, a partner, a business partner who's been with you, not just with Finder, but with your agency as well. So when you're saying we, how did the team grow? Were they, did they all come into Finder or did you, mm. your two-man show when you had the agency, what did it look like back then? Yeah, so who's the we? So when we started, when I started the agency, I started with another business partner, Adam, and he, he wanted to go a different way, so we, we parted ways. And then Frank, who's you know, with me today still, you know, we've been working since 2003, was that 17 years. He came and joined me in the agency and we built that into a real business, you know. And I think that's the partnership we've had for a very long time, and we, we you know, we're really effective. And I think then Jeremy joined us at the start in two thousand and nine, and that's when we really started to build Finder. And what were you doing? Like, what was the, were there roles defined for each of you guys? Are you all doing a bit of everything? Or that's an interesting one. Frank has he started very much. He came from an accounting company, so he came from a, a big investment firm called A and P, and and also B and P Paribas, which is a bank, a Parisian bank. And, you know, he came from that investment mindset. He did accounting. So he's always looked at sort of come from the finances, the analytics. And then he moved and really understood and learned marketing, and particularly internet marketing. And internet marketing is actually a very analytical business, particularly when you buy ads. So he mastered those skills. He learned a lot about coding and learned about developing. And, you know, we didn't really overlap in our skills. Apart from, I guess, the finance, you know, we both understood that. So we kind of did... You know, separate things. I sort of looked at the, the technology and I looked at the product and um, things like that in the beginning. And then over time, actually, you know, we've sort of, particularly in this business, in the previous business, I think you know we were we were just learning, but in this one, you know, we started in similar roles. And you know, I think if you were to talk about today, which I think is kind of interesting as well, is you know, in the beginning, I think I'm quite good in, in sort of one to twenty five people, like getting that initial start, and then after that. Frank's very strong at, you know, when, you know, you're scaling from 25 to, you know, 100, 200, 300 and, you know, really has that, that management ability. Whereas I think my skill is probably more like a leader as opposed to a manager itself, which is again, you know, they, they don't kind of overlap, but they're not, you know, in conflict with each other. So you have that space. But I think over time we've reinvented ourselves many, 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 many times because, you know, we, we keep hiring people into the roles that we were doing in the business. You know, I fired myself probably, I don't know, 45 times, <laughs> <laughs> which is fair. And, you know, I should do that because the crew here are like way better at executing things and doing things than I am. No. I'm, I'm, you know, 
pretty average. <laughs> I'm sure you're good at some things. <laughs> you sold uh, Freestyle Media is the agency, right, that we keep talking about here. So can you maybe take us through that process? Because I'd love to talk mm-hmm. some more about Finder too, but I really feel like Freestyle Media laid the foundation mm-hmm. for a lot of what Finder became. So yeah. what point did you decide you want to sell it? And why did you not want to keep it going? And what did it look like? Was it Did you make enough money to retire at that point? What were you at with Freestyle Media? Yeah, so we sold that company for 1.3 million. So it was, a, you know, for us, it was more money than I've ever seen in the entire world. And I think I was 26 at the time. And that was a good business that at the time, but it commoditized, you know, digital agencies were all the fad. And so we were like, okay, let's go and grow, you know, move into a bigger group and we'll go and do bigger things. And so we did that. And that company actually still exists today and it's still is carrying on. But I think for us, we realized while we were, we were in there, maybe this is not, you know, the direction we want to go in the future. It's more, you know, we, we've been thinking up these other ideas and we've been trying to, we, we want to build something where we're not doing a service. We're going to do something where we're, we've built a product. No and clients, that's a right? Change. <laughs> well, you know, we have clients, lots of them partners and customers because we have you know i guess a marketplace we've got both sides but i think i think it's more it's not a service that's the difference it's not like you have to trade hours for money and that's where we change that's the business model that we want we were keen to to adapt towards and that was only a realization that took a long time that took probably seven years to realize i think i saw a lot of internet entrepreneurs and a lot of people build a lot of great businesses where they weren't selling services and i and, and we learned a hard lesson from that and then vowed never to sell our services ever again, which is nice. Um, <laughs> and that was the key decision at the time, you know. And I think that changed our lives a lot. And you know, it forced us to learn different skills. It forced us to think differently and value different things. So mm, I guess you would have realized what kind of roles you wanted going forward with the next business and how your life would look like in terms of time even, you know, not beholden to maybe phone calls or deadlines driven by delivering a service. Is it correct to say that you guys, straight after leaving or selling Freestyle Media, you were like, was it all three of you going, let's start the next project and do the things now that we know we do want to do and not do the things we now know we don't want to do? Was that it? Or did you have a break maybe in between and did the classical travel around the world thing as every Australian does at some point? Yeah. So we spent two and a half years doing an earnout, and 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 so Frank, it was just Frank and I um, who did that. Mm-hmm. But then after that, Jeremy joined us, so he didn't do that earnout part. And you know, we took a break, I guess, towards the end of that. You know, we didn't work nowhere near as hard as we used to, and I guess we were a bit de- demotivated by the whole thing. Just that that company's management wasn't necessarily the way we didn't like the way they didn't sort of vibe with our sort of management style and that's okay, but it's their company, you know, and they wanted to run it how they wanted to run it. And that's okay. You know, I think that was kind of the break, you know, there. And we sort of did a lot of thinking during that time. I traveled to Chicago cause I won the young direct marketer of the year. Yeah. And that opened my mind and opened my eyes to America. I was like, wow, look at this country. It's incredible. You know, we did a lot of thinking for two and a half years and that sort of brewed up this real passion, desire to go and create something incredible for the next company. And I think that was that was good, you know, that break. Mm. Was there a sitting on a bunch of couches, exchanging ideas kind of moment, and then suddenly you're, you're like, finder? Or how did the idea generation go? 
No, because we'd, we'd done, we started Finder in 2006, right? And so it, it had already been, the credit card Finder website was still up, was up and running because it was an experiment from our previous company, but we didn't sell that company. We kept that company. So you got to keep creditcardfinder.com, but the agency went to them. Correct, correct. So we'd already thought the idea and we went through the same, you know, a similar ideation process, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't, it, basically what, the way we've come up with that name is um, we got a Google uh, keyword list exported it and I literally just typed into you know a, a domain name site the exact match keywords of every single credit card keyword there was mm-hmm. you know and, and I credit card.com.au was taken all right credit cards.com.au taken credit card comparison was taken which went all the way down and then the sixth one was credit card finder and that wasn't taken so I registered that and that was the site <laughs> <laughs> done uh, so you know and I guess that brings us to another moment is when did we, we used to be home loan finder, credit card finder, all these kind of domain names. You know, did you do something with them though? Like, did you build websites, write articles, yeah. and so on? So you just yep. like traditional content marketing strategy. Correct. Yep. And that was you guys sitting there writing or? In the beginning, I did a bit of writing and, you know, I outsourced a little bit, but, you know, I was the, in the very, very start, I, I did all parts of it. I even coded it. I, you know, built the links. I did everything. I'd write articles. And then slowly over time, you know, we created a structure and we, we followed as a book called The E-Myth that we, we I'm sure you know, every entrepreneur has probably read, but it just helped us a lot. It just spilled out exactly what, what we need to do and why. And all those sites made money? Like, they, was it a case of Google sending you traffic and affiliate sales started coming through and away you go? Yeah, small amounts, you know, with all these things. You know, it's, it's small wins, but they all add up and you've got to keep building it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously a big difference between a few small wins on a, you know, a handful of finance niche websites to what Finder is today. So, <laughs> like, okay, I, there's so many different phases to this too. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. you know, at some point... And given what you just said too with the e-myth, you're thinking, I can't be the one writing every article and I can't be the one coding every website and doing backlink development. And right. so then you think, I need to hire a specialist at SEO or you know even one writer and one link grower. Is that how you kind of thought? And then you had to balance the cash flow to hire them with the growth of the, the site? Is, is that kind of balancing act you have to do? Yeah, dividing up the roles into actual roles Definitely. And then, you know, managing cash flow throughout that 100%. You know, we used to have very strict budgets and I'd message what the budget is, what we can spend, we can't spend. And, you know, just very, I've always been very mindful of cash flow. And it's just something I look at all the time. And I think that's because of our agency days. You know, we we just didn't have much money. So it was absolutely brutal, (laughs) you know, getting cash in and, and making sure it was flowing. So I've always been you know, from those very early days, mindful like that. And now you're in the helping people save money with their finance decisions. So there's obviously a correlation with all of this. <laughs> 100%. You know, and I think that's the thing that translates well, you know, being frugal and teaching people with that, with, that, with you know, content and doing it all around the world. I think it, it helps people a lot. You know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a social mission. Okay. Could you take us forward though? So how did the team grow and, and at what point did you get finder.com I'd love to just just keep the how does the journey go in the beginning we were just doing credit cards for I'd say a good four years yeah that's which is time. really yeah it's a long time to focus um, and then we started you know home loans and, and savings and life insurance and, and we just kept spreading and then I think about 2013 we bought finder.com.au which is the Australian version and we consolidated the domains which is a, you know from an SEO perspective that's super high risk <sighs> 
dangerous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've just gone through uh, a domain name change and I've lost half my traffic. So I, I know okay. what that must have felt like. <laughs> yeah. So, every, you know, and we were living and dying by that. And then we've, we've expanded as well through then we mastered different channels to get traffic and we started building better products. So we hired developers. We never had developers for a very long time. We were just running lots and lots of content and making small little hacks. And then I think, you know, where it changed is when we had that one domain and then the moment in time and I remember it was probably 2014, 2000, yeah, around then, we made our first TV ad. Oh, wow, fun. And that was the moment when I realized, you know, what are we going to say? Yeah, What's right. the company called? Right, you can't call it credit card finder, home loan finder, you could call it something. So that's when we got the finder.com.au domain name and we built the jingle, which, you know, I think everyone knows today. Uh, and that was an experience, I can tell you the story around that. You know, lots and lots of failed attempts to get that. But when we're running the ad, you know, we made an in-house ad and we're going to just put it on the TV. I think we spent like 10 grand making it. We, got, we hired someone in-house. I wrote the copy myself and put a little voiceover to it. And But I realized when we were doing it, the problem was, what if someone doesn't know, doesn't pick up that it's finder.com.au? What if someone types in finder.com? Because whenever, you know, people hear websites, they just type in .com. Of course. What was finder.com before you guys had it? So it was, you know, it was a Russian dating site. Um, <laughs> of course, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, um, uh, all sorts of things. Um, but it was owned by one of those squatters. Oh, no. That, you know, I think anything.com owns it and something like that. You know, those guys that have all, they have a list of domain names they own. They're a super high premium. And, you know, that was the moment we thought, well, we've always wanted to go overseas. And, you know, my trip overseas before just opened my mind to it. But we thought, you know, maybe we should broaden our vision and not just be an Australian company, but be a global comparison business. And, you know, deep down, that decision, pretty, pretty monumental one to make. And it really, it was the moment when we decided, I think we paid 300,000 US for wow. finder.com. Wow. And that was when the Australian dollar was about 54 cents. So we probably paid oh, about wow. 600, yeah. You paid 600,000 Australian or 300,000 US and there was, you know, some other fee involved as well. Anyway, but that's a significant, you know, decision and a massive investment, right? Like, you know, you're not, you don't get anything from that if you buy the domain name. You just get a domain name and that's mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to change your website to this new domain and potentially lose <laughs> some traffic or, you right. know, some rankings there. Right. And massive amounts of risk, massive amounts of investment and planning. And, and you know, the other thing you got to remember when you go back in time, and this is, I think, important to realize, is, is Find is a bootstrap company, right? So it's not like we raise up a whole lot of money and we could just make an investment like that and spend it. And if it didn't work out, whatever. We're trading off our own cash balance, right? Our right. cash flow. That was your profit so you just spent. It was spent. a pretty big call. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, instead of paying yourself a dividend, you know, we were reinvesting. And, I think that's the moment when we started to look outside Australia and we sort of got the business in 2016 to a point where a lot of the roles were like in the EMIF, they all had titles, they all had people in them, they were doing a great job and we sort of hit a point where I personally did, um, I hit a point where you know I wasn't really needed in the company anymore. You know, All my roles had been taken, the processes and systems had been done set up and, and, and it was running. It was a beautiful Australian company. Mm. But that was just, you know, for us, it, I remember the moment we, we just said, look, that, I just don't think that's, gonna, that's what we were trying to achieve in our lives. So, you know, if we look back and, you know, you ask yourself, you know, if I was to die today, how would you feel? 
And if that was the end, and that's what I learned from selling that first agency is that if you don't set your sights, you know, high enough, then, you know, you're probably never going to get there. And that was fine for that agency and that taught us a lot. But I think this one was about what do you as a person want to do? And going overseas and, and building a, a global company, I think that's that's always what mm. we've that sort of scratches that itch. Mm-hmm. And if I turn around and look backwards now, it's, you know, we've done a lot of those things, but that was the moment where things really changed. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got people where you're hiring people and they're not actually working in the company. They're working on the company for the next, you know, to, to build bridges to and systems and processes and scale them around the world. Yeah. And you're doing stuff, which, you know, it's all cost, but it's not, you have to basically overhaul and reinvent yourself Again, right? Because you're opening up Canada, and Canada's got no presence, and you have to write Canada articles. So it's like starting from scratch—a whole new company, almost, right? Yeah, I, I got in 2016. I remember I was sitting with Frank, and I said, "I said to him, I said, man, oh, I feel really bad. We're sitting in the coffee shop, and I said, I feel really bad. I, I don't think I do anything here anymore." <laughs> <laughs> you know? And he said, "He said, that's fine, man. Just stand by your desk, and people will talk to you. It's okay. You know, you're like the grandfather. <laughs> Just chill. It's okay, fine. Chill. You're I'll, our mascot okay. now." <laughs> Yeah. I have a couple of questions though, because I'm I feel like I'm missing a few steps or at least some clarification in my brain. Is it to get from you know this this company where you were doing sort of niche credit card sites, and then like we talked about earlier, you're making some affiliate income and it's slowly increasing, and you're then you reach the point where you can spend six hundred thousand Australian dollars on a domain name, which means obviously that compounding grew. To reach the point today where you're in a business insider article talking about, you know, hundreds of millions of dollar valuation company, is it, I know the answer is no, but maybe you could clarify, is it as simple as getting more traffic and selling more because of that traffic of, you know, affiliate relationships, maybe some advertising as well, partnerships, like you said, is it just the numbers get bigger for everything you do or is there something else going on to reach that kind of size company? Well, you know, yes, I think to some extent, you know, there's a certain stage, yes, where you can just get more traffic and you can sell more partners. But the problem happened, what happens then is when you take a simple business and you scale it, it doesn't just, you know, think of it like this. If you were still wearing the clothes that you're wearing when you were a teenager or like you were, you know, seven years old, like you'd still be able to like play, you know, games and do whatever, do your life as you would normally, but you'd be kind of restricted. And you kind of grow out of all that that stuff you had in the past. So you get major issues around the system that runs, say, even the partnerships or the system that run and you know that holds the website up. Mm. Just just the sheer hosting, you know, like structure and framework, it just you know falls apart at a certain point. I remember <laughs> our site was going down literally almost twice daily. <laughs> and we would just call up. I remember in the beginning, we used to make a mistake on the website. We'd call up the hosting company and say, hey, man, can you just reset everything? <laughs> just wind button. it back a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wind it back. We made a mistake. Cool. Thanks very much. They'd wind it back. We're back online. Thanks very much. You know, And we'd be down for hours and no one would care. Now, you know, we can't be down for hours. Like We're looking at, you know, we need the uptime be just because of the sheer numbers of people and the amount of money that we're spending. It all stacks, right? Mm. So I'd say it's partially do more of what you're doing. But then on the other side, I'd say a lot of it is dealing and reinventing yourself, your systems, and your processes continuously. When you're in a certain size company, I don't know if you know, you know, they talk about different numbers of people. But once you hit sort of, you go, there's a thing called Dunbar's Law. When you mm. hit 150 people, 
plus, then just, you know, if you want to communicate one message out to everyone, that's not a simple thing to do anymore, you know, because let's say, what, two-thirds of the people in Inside Finder are asleep. <laughs> and, you know... You can't just send a Slack message and they all get it? That doesn't work? Yeah, you know, eventually. But if that's only a certain amount of context of that message, right? If you right. want to say something quite complicated, you know. And so, you know, you got to deal with that. I think in the small vision of it, yes, what you're saying is correct. But what goes along with that, I think no one realizes the extreme amount of challenge that's involved with scaling and getting alignment, pivoting, implementing a strategy. Let me give you the example, right? So let's say you've got 30 minutes to talk to the whole company. Let's just say, for example. Mm -hmm. What are you going to say in those 30 minutes? Like you can't talk about everyone. You can probably talk about what, two or three things max. And so you're not going to talk about absolutely everything. You're going to talk about the two or three things that really matter right now. And that doesn't mean that everything else is not important. It's just that these things are very important. If we achieve these as a company, you know, we're going to get there. And so you've got to work out very precisely what are those three things you're going to say. You can't just, you know, say everything. You've just, you've got to be, you know, and that, that's the work, that's the time, that's the growth and the learning that you need to do in order right. to continue to scale and learn. So management and leadership and communication skills are so, that's where you, you've I've done so much learning on over time. It's interesting because, you know, from the perspective of, say, a small business, often it's like, just send me another 100 customers so I can make another million a year and then another 100 customers and then another 100 customers. And it's just like algorithmic numbers. But what you're really saying here is that happens, but then because of the sheer multitude of variables that are getting combined, the number of staff, the amount of traffic, the number of partners, it just creates so many layers of potential communication issues. That alone is probably the biggest challenge to deal with, like the the management of it, not just the execution of it. So, but I know we only have another five or so minutes, and I am really curious to also ask you about the future. Besides, clearly, your vision is for Finder to answer the problems, well, answer the questions around the entire world. And now that you've had a solid presence in Australia and, and expanding globally. But you're doing some other stuff. You're also well-known now in the cryptocurrency world, which might surprise some people. So I'm curious, how did that happen and, and why did you decide to get into it? And what is it? I know you have an exchange in Australia. And is that connected to Finder in any way? Yeah, so we set up Finder Ventures and you know, we started experimenting with, just like we did with the other company, you know, what are sort of the you know, three things? If you're going to start a company today that we should get involved with and we should learn about. And we thought, well, blockchain is pretty important. So we made an investment into that and we decided to go and master that. And part of that is cryptocurrency. So we were just learning and, and understanding the whole environment. And so that was the that was one of the reasons why we went into that. We've also built an app, an application that kind of automates your comparisons and tells you really smart things. So you connect your bank account up and to it and it, it basically checks all your health insurance, your energy and those kind of things and tells you if you can save money. So that's another sort of, I guess it's in the field of automation and potentially towards AI and we're thinking, you know, what yeah. could we do in the future fintech. around those things? Right. Yeah, fintech and banking and because I think banking and, and those kind of things are, is really changing as well. You know, what is a bank in the future? I think is, I don't think, I think there will be the entire banks that are headless. So you don't even, you can't even speak to them because they are, they all work through third parties. Mm. You know, there'll be Uber is, is trying to build a bank to some extent, but they'd probably have a bank behind them, and that would be the the bank of the future, where they master fraud and you know and, and all the things that they do in the background, and leave the customer relationship to someone else. 
So, so I think that's where the changing the nature the world's changing. That's where we're trying to make some investments and, and build some services and products with Finder that will help people, you know, make decisions and, and save money in, the, mm. in their lives. And what about you personally, Fred? Like, I'm curious. Did you ever expect to have, you know, that kind of personal wealth? And and what are you motivated personally to do? How has life changed since that that new this this kind of a size company has now become, you know, you uh, and your 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 success story. You know, I think I've had to reinvent myself many, you know, quite a few times, and that's definitely been very challenging. And I think I've done a lot of work around figuring out what I'm good at. And you know, I think my purpose is to inspire and challenge people to do great things. And that's sort of, you know, the kind of place I'd love to start from. And then I think there's many ways in which that happens, but. I can see myself doing, you know, in building Finder for quite a quite a few more years, because I think we've only just begun, and I think we're in the precipice of of some tectonic plates actually changing and well placed to actually make the investments and build the products and services and and, and help people all around the world, and I think help them with just really clean, modern banking and, and insurance and and lending services like that, share trading, investing. I think Finder can be a, an instrumental part that people day to day use mm-hmm. for their for their financial life, I guess. And I think we're well placed to do that. And I'm really excited to build stuff like that. That's fun to me. Yeah, definitely where I think we, we, we're going to go. So I'm up for that. You know, I, I love building new things. Mm, it's it's I like I like bringing things from you know not created into the reality of the world. Mm, and it's cool you've. Considering you know it's we're over a decade, more than that, you've been doing kind of the same thing, not the exact same thing. Obviously, there's massive growth with two companies, one exit, but um, you still got the fire to to go out there and, and sort of use content to answer people's problems. So that's awesome. Besides the obvious, I know we can find more about Finder by going to finder.com. Is there any other you know websites you want to throw out or any links uh, or, or any projects you want to mention? You know, I think this app is a big deal. And I think it'll be amazing. I think, you know, we've got Hivex with our um, cryptocurrency, which is kind of cool. But, I, you know, follow me on LinkedIn and I put out a lot of stuff there. And you can, you know, if people want are interested, if they're not, that's fine as well. But um, hopefully <laughs> I'm doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, I follow you there. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's so interesting. You know, I think I remember listening to your podcast and reading your articles and I loved how transparent you were. And that was incredible. It really opened my mind to you know, how you could build a really genuine business. So I have a lot of respect for your work, Yarrow. So I'm sure your 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 listeners here as well would, would attribute that as well. And I guess yeah, I'm I would say you've contributed in some in a way to to, to what I've created. Oh, that's amazing to hear, Fred. I, I mean I'm I'm in some ways super motivated by what you've done. Like I want to get on board a bigger train too. So I, I love hearing your success stories finder. But yeah, I appreciate the the comment. I've been doing this for as long as you've been doing yours too. So, you know, it's a labor of love. But Fred, we're out of time. So I would love to ask you so many more questions. But I know you're a busy guy, sort of. <laughs> so thank you for answering some questions, telling us to find a story and, and good luck with it. it. Sounds like it's only getting started. No worries. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate the, the opportunity. And hopefully, uh, we're going to create some some pretty incredible things. Thank you. Hey, this is Yarrow, and thanks for being a listener. Now, in this episode, if there was something you think could benefit a friend, a family member, a colleague, maybe an entrepreneur that you know, maybe it was something to do with getting traffic or launching a product or just coming up with an idea, 
make sure you send this episode to them. It could change the trajectory of their life, and I'd really appreciate the introduction to my show. Also, if you're not a subscriber, make sure you click that subscribe button, whether it's in Google or Apple or YouTube or Spotify, and you'll get my episodes as I release them. Thanks again for being a listener. Thanks for listening to Yaro's podcast. For more episodes, visit yaro.blog and subscribe on iTunes or Google.